Good morning, and may our hearts be filled with joy as we hear the Word of God from Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This can be found on page 953 of the Bible in the pew. That's chapter, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every day I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the passion and compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and the praise of God. The word of God for the people of God. And we all said, thanks be to God. It is good to be here in this place this morning. This is the place where I gather together in small groups reading the Bible for the first time cover to cover. It is the place where I did indeed receive my call into the life of ordained ministry. And it is also the place where I still feel very connected in the mission to make God's love real, not just here, but all around the world. So I thank you for the invitation to be here this morning. I bring you greetings from the bishop I serve under, Bishop Michelle Hansrod in the Cape Town, South Africa area, the pastor I serve alongside of, Reverend Allen Story, and the members at Central Methodist Mission in Cape Town, South Africa. And I also send you greetings from the greater connection of the Methodist Church of Southern Africa, which is six countries. So we do not worship this morning alone. We worship this morning connected in the body of Christ that is bigger than we can even imagine. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you go to God in prayer with me? Let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us in this place. We pray that our faith and our hope and our love might grow and that we might be marked by the character of joy rising within us. This is our hope and our prayer. Amen. Well, Paul can write a letter beautiful words in this letter that he wrote to the Philippians, the people who lived in Philippi. They were a people that he had great love for. You could hear it in the words. He wrote the words with great joy, he said, naming to them his belief that the work that God had begun in them would be completed. He had every hope and faith that that would happen because it is the promise of God that God does complete 
the work God starts. He sends them this letter full of beautiful language, but there's some things that we need to know. He sends it in spite of some pretty difficult circumstances in his life. Paul is writing from prison. He is being persecuted. And he is hoping that he could be with them, but he can't. And this is the context of the letter that he writes to them. He names for them that they are caught up together in the grace of God. And as I read the letter several times over, I thought about what it would mean for us to receive a letter such as this, naming that we were caught up in the grace of God at work in someone's life while they were imprisoned. Is that the kind of letter we would want to receive? And I thought to myself, well, Paul's the one who preached that really good sermon that got him arrested, not me. Do we want to receive a letter catching us up in that sort of work? Paul is a front-line runner in the life and work of the faith. He's writing to people, telling them about the opposition that is coming his way. Things are not easy. He can't ignore it. He's already been told to stand down, and he's looking at jail bars in his life. And this is part of the letter that they receive, and he recognizes that they need to hear from him as much as he needs to hear from them that they are caught up in the grace of God that is at work in each of us as we are living out our life of faith, making testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was wondering what it would be like for you all to get a letter similar to Paul's from the bishop in South Africa. What might he write to you in this letter? And I think he would say, you are caught up in the grace of what it means to worship with us in this country, where we have 13 different languages that can find their way into a sanctuary. You are caught up in the grace with us in moments when we're experiencing a drought and our people are thirsty. The dams are running dry. You are caught up in the grace of what it means for us to be praying through that. You are caught up in the grace of what the bishop of the Table Bay District, Bishop Michelle Hansrod, charged the clergy in our area with, to be thinking about the children that are under threat in some of our communities, that are drug-infested, where initiations of gangs are putting children under threat. You are caught up in the grace of that, and we can't escape it because we're bound together in the family of God and in the community of faith. We're bound together in that. What would it be like for us to receive a letter from Orlando this morning, from our brothers and sisters in Orlando who are standing in the anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting? We are bound up in the grace of holding that situation and the healing needed in that community in prayer. We can't escape it because we're bound together in the community of faith. But I'm not sure we really want to receive those sorts of letters every day. It's much easier to get a letter inviting you 
to lunch or a cup of coffee for someone to share about the good news in their life. But Paul has found a way to live with hope, with joy, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of times we can barely imagine to be true. And this is what he's writing to them about. He begins the letter naming that he and Timothy are servants of the Lord. And what does it mean for us to recognize that we too are servants of the Lord every day? That our life is nothing but gift to God every day. When we recognize that, I believe joy can rise in us because we'll be so connected in life that is real, in life that we are created to be a part of. But it's hard sometimes to find the well of joy to be drawing from. Because the world around us is hard. It is challenging. And so in moments when I find myself struggling, struggling, I look around to those who who remind me of the hope that we live with, who remind me of the life that we're called to. And I was thinking as I read the scripture of of just a wonderful man in South Africa who is a a testimony of joy and hope to the world, and that, that is Desmond Tutu. He is known for being someone full of joy. If you ever attend a workshop that he is teaching or a talk that he is giving, you always leave it laughing. He makes sure that people remember the gift of life and the gift of living. There's a story that's told about him that happened right in the midst of the height of the apartheid years, where the military had gone into a community that he wasn't actually allowed to go into. But he went anyway. And he was standing on one side of the road, and the military was on the other side of the road, and he was waving his hand, saying, you're on the wrong side. Come, join us. We're on the winning team. Can you imagine jumping up and down in front of people with guns, full of joy? knowing that you are on the right side of the story. The joy of the Lord was so embedded within him that he was able to do just that. And so I enjoy the stories that people tell about Desmond Tutu and his life because I'm sure of the fact that they come from a life of faith, a life of eyes turned towards Jesus no matter how hard Things are. Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama just recently released a book on joy. And so I had to read it in preparation. How can you not? Um, if you've ever seen them on the TV together, they, they are almost like four-year-old children together. They'll, they'll disintegrate into laughter and picking at each other. And uh, you just think, how do you get some of that, right? That was not in my morning coffee. (laughs) It was missed out. Um, And so I think they have something to teach us. And so I read this book cover to cover, and I get no royalties from it, but I do recommend you read it as well because it's full of the wisdom of their years and the gifts of learning in terms of this topic of joy. They talk about eight pillars that people that are found in people who have the mark of joy in their life. Four of them 
center around how, how we think with our mind, and four are about the character of our heart. And so the first one is simply having the ability to have good perspective. So in the midst of situations that you can find good perspective. And what that means to me is in the years that, that Desmond Tutu was faced with the apartheid regime and fighting against that, that he didn't think that that was the end of the story. That he was able to see through that narrative that was alive in the country and recognize that on the other side of it, Jesus would always be the winning, the winning player. He had that perspective so clearly because his life and faith was oriented towards the calling upon his life. The second pillar is humility, being able to humble oneself enough for joy to be unlocked within you. And we see this in Paul's letter. You know, Paul is at the front. He's receiving opposition. It's a hard life he's living. And he doesn't say, look at me and all I'm doing. He creates a circle and includes everyone who's supporting him in it, saying, actually, this work I'm doing, you are a part of, and the work you're doing, I am a part of. He reminds them of the greater connection of all of them, the mark of humility. The other is humor, and I've shared already, Desmond Tutu is just so good at unlocking humor to release the tension in a crowd or in a moment. Um, I don't get to see him often, so I'm always surprised when he actually looks like he knows who I am. But I was out of the country one day and came, came back, and he noticed me and he said, come here, where have you been? And I thought, wow, this is wonderful, I'm going to have a conversation with them. And he said, you know you're going to hell, right? I thought, that is not very ecumenical. <laughs> And he went on to say that it was Friday and that the Anglican priests on Friday, they don't eat breakfast like I was eating then. They fast and they pray. And so he was joking with me um, that I might just get a, a kick out of that and consider the fasting and praying that they do on Fridays. Um, but he's that way with everyone. He's that way with everyone. Makes you laugh and just reminds you the gift of life. The gift of life. And then the last um, in terms of the pillars of the mind, is acceptance. And what this means to me is, are we a people that can accept reality as it is, or do we need to live in an alternative reality? And, and we all suffer with this sometimes when the news is too heavy. Amen? <laughs> sometimes we'd like to turn it off and say, that's enough for today. Um, but the question for me is, are we able to re-engage and say, but this is the reality and how am I forming and shaping myself in my life to be a part of standing in it as light? Not sitting in it and pretending it's not there. Standing in it as light. And I promise you, friends, we just can't do that alone. We can't. We need each other for that. We need each other for the gifts that we have to be unlocked to their fullest potential. The other pillars they talked about, as I said earlier, are pillars of the heart, the character of your actual heart. And the first one that's named is forgiveness. And this is so hard, especially the closer people are to us. I always say my family has the most damaging ammunition against me anyone could find. You know, your family just knows how to give you a good zinger, and then it's hard to forgive them, right? 
But that work is so important in the life of faith. It's so important for us to be able to work on getting ourselves on the journey of forgiveness. And the people in South Africa, where I'm serving now, have been on that journey for many years and have shown us wonderful light in their ability to face some of their horrific past and meet each other across divides that I can't imagine crossing sometimes. And we know that they did that out of a great sense of humility and also out of a commitment to their country and the growing of love within it. The other pillar is gratitude. Being able to be thankful for for the smallest of things, even just when you wake up in the morning and you take your very first breath, recognizing you have the gift of a new day, and so many other people do not. Waking up and recognizing most of us are able to have a good, solid breakfast, and so many of the world lives in hunger without. There's so many things for us to be thankful for, but the more we turn inward, the more we're blinded to the beautiful gift of God's grace all around us in the world. The next pillar that they name is compassion. And if you ever are in a conversation that Desmond Tutu leads, I always find it amazing what he does. He'll take 15 minutes sometimes to just look around and lock eyes with people and tell them that they are beautiful. And you think, he's lived 80-some years. What has he learned that that becomes the most important thing in every conversation that he leads? It's likely that he's learned that people don't feel beautiful in the world that people don't recognize that they are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, that we spend more time wounding each other and wounding the image of God in each other than we do acknowledging the beauty in one another and the journeys that people are on. So I encourage you this week to really look at the people that you're spending time with and to open your heart and wonder, what is it about this person that makes them fearfully and wonderfully made? And how can I acknowledge that within them? And the last pillar that they name is generosity. And they're not talking about generosity um, with your checkbook. Later on, we can get to that. What they're talking about is is generosity of spirit, that when you're engaging with others, that you're generous in your spirit towards them. Creating space for something beautiful to be born between you rather than battling one another. These pillars, I don't think they're things that we can just work on and then joy is there. There are things that are recognized in people who have the mark of joy. So then where does it come from? For me, what I would tell you I have come to believe is the fact that Jesus sat with a woman around a well of water, and he talked to her about the water from a well that would never run dry, the water that would rise up within her like a spring of life, leading to eternal life. 
I believe that is how joy is born in us. It's born in us over time. I don't believe it's a surface happiness. I think it's from a very deep place of living. A place of living where we are able to live holy in the reality of life with all of its beauty and all of its pain. Recognizing that within that space, we are held by a God who loves us more than we can imagine and set on a path to be co-creators in this world of a new day rising. When our lives are oriented on that pathway, when we are giving of the best gifts that we have to give and we are connected There is no greater joy than that. Because like what Desmond Tutu says, we know then we're on the winning side. Amen? Friends, real life has connection. Real life has connection. And we are moving and living and finding our being in a time when people are more willing to be disconnected than connected. Joy, I believe, rises in our ability to be wholly connected in our relationship with God and wholly connected in our relationship with others in a way that roots us deep in our spiritual being so that the only thing that rises is joy in serving the Lord. And so my hope and prayer for you is that throughout this coming week, you find ways to just be still and remember God is God and you are not. And allow the Holy Spirit to work in you in a way that forms and shapes you for this life of living. Amen. I'd like to close us with a word of prayer. If you'd bow your heads for a word of prayer with me. God of grace and mercy, I ask that your Holy Spirit continue to work mightily in each and every one of us gathered here in this place. God, still us in our life of busyness. Allow us to settle ourselves and our spirits and find ourselves at rest in you. And in that place of rest, O God, give birth to the new. Give birth, O God, to a joyful life where every ounce of who we are is directed towards serving you. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.